Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Amen and amen. I invite you to join me as we turn to God's Word. We have two passages this morning that we listen to together. The first being from the fourth chapter of Galatians, verses 4 through 7. Listen to the Word of God. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. And our second passage from the second chapter of Luke, it's from the familiar Christmas story, Many of us know this passage and treasure the King James Version of this. I'll read from the King James Version. Beginning with verse 8. And there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, sanctify us in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Surprise. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not used to getting up at this point, Doc. I almost sat there. Um, but I, I do appreciate the invitation uh, to preach um, and be with you all this morning. We're, we're going to look at Galatians 4 mostly, but it's, it's so great that we were reminded of that Christmas story because the Galatians 4 text, while it's very important to the Christmas story, um, is, isn't that, uh, that story that resonates, right, from Luke. Um, beautiful words. So as we think this morning, I want to start with, uh, to tell you, with telling you about a friend of mine. Uh, she lives in Birmingham, Alabama, and her name is Bria Jane McInvale. She is a spitfire. The way she lives life once she's warmed up is a sight to behold. She's smart. 
She has a lot of important things to say, and she's an accomplished dancer. She loves to give and receive hugs, and when she visits, she always wants to stay longer, never to leave our house at the end of a weekend visit. Now, I've only known her for a little over five years, but it seems like she's been a part of our family for much longer. And when I read this scripture from Romans, uh, from Galatians, excuse me, um, Bria and her mother, Anne Elizabeth, always rush to my mind. They're who I think about first. You see, Anne Elizabeth McInvale is a student from my first full-time call. Um, and she is a mother to Bria, but she became a mom in a beautiful way through Uh, the foster care system, and then through adoption. Bria and Anne's family story is a complicated one, certainly. But what family story isn't, right? But for me, their family story is the most clear example and living image of chosen love. And I thought it was appropriate to start there this morning. The kind of love and grace that Paul is describing in our text this morning. Now, that's not the only image I want to start with. There's a second one, so bear with me. I know um, I'm trying to get your mind's eye thinking a little bit. The second image I want us all to consider is one from the most of our childhood experiences, I think, Think back to a time when you were trying to understand the rules your parents had, okay? You may even be thinking of other adults in your life uh, and about uh, the ways in which they put up rules and regulations that were helpful to your well-being, right? They were were all well-meaning rules. And as a child seeking to understand the why behind those rules, there were always questions. Why do I have to make my bed? Why do I have to hold your hand when I cross the street? Why in the world can I not stay out after 11 p.m.? Maybe your questions were different than mine, but I'm sure we all asked them of our parents or other adults who might have shaped us. Those questions, our questions, were an attempt to get to the bottom of the reasons those rules existed. We were attempting to understand the letter of the law, for lack of a better phrase, the letter of the law of our own households. And for many of us, these well-meaning parents and adults that were loving us and shaping us attempted maybe to explain the reasons why. We make our beds because that's what my mother asked me to do growing up. (laughs) We hold hands crossing the street because you're, you're small and cars can't see you when they're backing up. Your curfew is 11 p.m. because nothing good ever happens after midnight. Right? Y'all heard that too, I guess. But the most exhausting answer any adult could ever offer 
to a rules question from a child is, say it with me, because I said so, right? Because I said so. Oh, gosh. So now we have these two images. We have this image of adoption. And we have this image of because I said so. The rules that well-meaning keep us safe, provide safe space for us, sometimes have really good purpose behind them, and sometimes they're just because I said so. We turn to our scripture for this morning. I want to look at the first two verses. Um, But when the fullness of time had come, from verse 4, Paul's description is of the end of one age and the beginning of another, at a time when God decided it was just right. This good work that Paul describes begins. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. You see, God's act of redemption in Christ, of sending his son as a babe in the manger, ends the reign of the law and kicks off this new age. It's a new beginning. The son is born of a woman, fully human, and born under the law. The two phrases that Paul uses here are both important. First, Jesus is born of a woman. We've heard Doc preach about this a couple weeks ago. Mary, a teenager, going through what all teenage girls would have at that time in her life, a virgin. And Jesus' humanity, through Mary, connects him to us as a fellow traveler, a friend, someone who understands what this worldly plight is like. Some may think the second phrase was included to emphasize Jesus' Jewish lineage. And while that's important, in the context, it looks rather to identify him with the entirety of humanity. Paul suggests that we all are born under the law in one form or another. Whether the law of Moses or the law of because I said so. Jesus, like us, is born under the law in order to redeem us, all of us who are under the law. So that we might receive adoption as God's children. This shift Paul makes in images from a child growing to maturity and receiving the inheritance at the time set by the father to a child being adopted is really critical here. Under Roman law, adopted children had the same legal status and inheritance rights that biological children had. It is significant that Paul does not identify Jews with biological children and adopted children with Gentiles. Instead, Paul is suggesting that we all are adopted. None of us have any prior claim to the Father. Our adoption as God's children is a pure gift. Jesus alone is the Son of God from birth. But God decides 
to allow Jesus to step down from his lofty status, to walk this earth with our kind, and to share his kinship and his inheritance with all of the world. And after all this, we still try over and over again to earn something, to earn God's love. Not only that, most of us think that this life is a competition. It manifested itself in gingerbread house making on Wednesday night. Everything's a competition. In fact, I told this story a couple of weeks ago. Three summers ago, I was with teenagers at Passport Youth Camp. And every afternoon after lunch, they break up into Bible study groups. Now, these Bible study groups are made up of a few children from every church that's there. And they're getting to know one another. They're trying to understand the scripture for the day. They're trying to, the Bible study leaders are trying to build community with that little group of folks that have only met one another maybe a couple of days before. And we were outside with that group who's trying to become a little family. The Bible study leader split them into two groups. And the, all the Bible study leader said is they laid a, a long rope across. Half the group was at this end of the rope, the other half at this end of the rope. And, they, and she basically said, this group needs to work to get this end of the rope on this side. And this group needs to work to get this end of the rope on this side. And once it's accomplished, after 10 seconds, you win. Well, what do you think happened? They started grabbing the rope and throwing it as far as they could. So that other group had to run and get the rope before 10 seconds expired to throw it back across their line because obviously someone had to win, right? Well, after what seemed like two hours of watching teenagers throw a rope and run and throw a rope, the Bible study leader called them all back and said, why were you fighting against one another? You realize you're on the same team. You're supposed to work together and just pass the rope. End to end, across, you accomplish your goal. So that night, we're at uh, church group devotions. We're sitting around, and I say highs and lows for the day. And we're going around. Every teenager gets the opportunity to say what was best about the day and what was worst about the day. And one senior, her name's Caitlin, said, that dumb game we played in Bible study. I was so frustrated. And then a couple of boys started thinking, yeah, I, I mean, it's so dumb that nobody won. And I said, what is the preoccupation with winning? And we had a really good conversation about the fact that they were trying, it was an attempt to try to get these folks who'd never been together to work together, but so quickly it switched and everybody had to come out on top. And I, I, I sat with them and I said, guys, what we, what we realize about the Christian life, what we need to realize about the Christian life is there's a gift in Christ that is free to you. There's nothing you have to do to win. Christ has already won on your behalf. I don't know if it's sunk in or not, <laughs> but that's where we are today. That's what 
Paul is talking about, we are God's children. We have been given a gift. And there's nothing we have to do to win it. Paul continues, and because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. The spirit links us with God's son as fellow children of God and enables us to call upon God with the same intimate language Jesus used. Our adoption as God's children means that there is absolutely no reason to return to a life of slavery. There's absolutely no reason to turn back. There's nothing to win. In Christ, we are children of God and full heirs with him and all that God has promised. Diana Butler Bass wrote these words about gratitude and grace. She says, the words gratitude and grace come from the same root word, gratia, in Latin. Grace is a theological word, one with profound spiritual meaning. Grace means unmerited favor. She says, when I think of grace, I particularly like the image of God tossing gifts around, a sort of indiscriminate giver of sustenance, joy, love, and pleasure. Grace gifts given without being earned and with no expectation of return is, as the old hymn says, amazing. She says, because you can neither earn nor pay back the gift, your heart fills with gratitude. And the power of that emotion transforms the way you see the world and experience life. Grace begets gratitude, which in turn widens our hearts toward greater goodness and love. You see, we are children of God purely by the grace of God and not by the ways we follow the law, whatever form that might take. For instance, post-Christmas letdown may eventually set in with all its guilt about the Christmas cards that didn't get sent on time, about the hoped-for family harmony that didn't quite happen, all because of a a Monopoly game, or the overeating that becomes apparent on the bathroom scale. One of the ways we tend to deal with that guilt is by making New Year's resolutions about how we'll change, how we'll make a fresh start, with all we have in a new year. And we know how well those eventually turn out. But the challenge for us today is to not turn around, not to go back to that life of slavery. We have to stay away from that intense feeling of competition, of trying to win something. Paul tells us the fullness of time has come. God sent Christ to redeem us from under the law so that we might receive adoption as children of God. Remember, Bria, Bria's beautiful family is a constant reminder for us that God's gift to us will not be revoked. 
Bria is Anne's forever. It doesn't matter how well we live up to our own expectations or to the expectations of others. Like those teenagers at Passport trying to win God's affection, we are wasting our time. God already loves us. So, children of God, adopted sons and daughters of the Most High, how will we spend the weeks to come? What's our response to this immense, unmerited, and love-filled gift? We do have a fresh start, not through our own power, but by the gracious initiative of God, sending Christ, his Son, claiming us as God's children, and sending the Spirit into our hearts. This is pure gift. One we cannot earn, one we do not deserve. We can only give thanks and share this gift with others. And so, what will you do this week? Will you pray with me? God of grace, giver of gifts given without being earned and with no expectation of return. Your eternal love for us is amazing and brings us unimaginable joy. We realize that we can never earn nor pay back the gift of your love and our hearts fill with gratitude. May the power of that emotion transform the way we see the world and experience life. May the grace we've received... Beget gratitude and in return widen our hearts toward greater goodness and love. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Each of us has an opportunity to respond to what we've heard and felt today. Doc is going to come and be down front. He would love to hear the ways in which God's grace brings you joy if you have a testimony to share with him. If you've got a decision, if you've made a a decision to follow Christ, Doc would love to hear about that as well. Maybe your family has decided to join this community of faith as we journey together during this Advent season. Whatever your decision, come as we stand to sing our hymn of response, number 127, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.